everybody, and welcome to No Chipbook Moments. I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. This is our Supernatural Watchcast, your one-stop shop to all things Supernatural. <laughs> we are slowly making our way through season one, and today we are on episode 20, Dead Man's Blood. Yes. We like Supernatural meta, and we know that you like Supernatural meta, so that's why we're here. Let's go. Yes. Thank you for joining us. So, Remy, what are the details for Dead Man's Blood? Dead Man's Blood, episode 20, was written by Catherine Humphreys and John Sheevan. And it was directed by Tony Warmby. These are mostly new names. These I are recognize names. John, <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah. So Catherine, um, the first writer, uh, she has written a few episodes through season four, just one or two episodes a season, uh, mostly filler, uh, before she exited the show. And then John Sheevan, he wrote some episodes, uh, through season, uh, three in, in, this season one we've already seen him with skin and mm -hmm. i believe Hookman. um that sounds right yeah and then after after being a writer for three seasons he was like an executive producer with supernatural i i believe like up until season six so uh Holy. he he became kind of an old hat uh, and then Tony Warmby, for some reason that name does sound familiar to me, like maybe he was a director and, oh no, never mind, I lied. This is the only, this is the only Supernatural episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Lots of new names in season one, but this episode's original air date was April 20th, 2006, 420. Blaze it. It's the funny weed number B. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The synopsis for this episode reads After Daniel Elkins, a vampire hunter and John's mentor, is murdered, Sam and Dean are surprised when John himself shows up to solve the case. John discovers the vampires have taken an antique gun, which has the power to kill all supernatural beings. The Winchester family sets out to retrieve the gun from the vampires so they can use it to kill the demon that took Sam and Dean's mother. Okay, yeah, that kind of sums it up. Uh -huh. We have some shenanigans afoot in between, but this is kind of the episode that does the big confrontation between Sam and John. Yes, yes, we actually get a visit from Jeffrey Dean Morgan this episode, so. Mm, he took a break from his busy time at Grey's Anatomy to come be <laughs> gruff little dad here. Yeah. So. We are in Manning, Colorado. There is a hunter named Daniel Elkins flipping through his journal in a bar. And the waitress who is serving him is basically assuring us that he's a nice old man, even if he looks like the Unabomber. <laughs> and this sketchy gang enters the bar and they immediately draw Elkins' attention and... He disappears out the back door without saying a word. Yes. 
we this journal that he's writing in it it looks familiar it looks it definitely looks like a hunter's mm-hmm. journal i don't know why all hunters write like third graders but you know these these scribbles look supernaturally enough that as as sam says later it's pretty obvious that he's a player in the game yeah there must be some presupposition about you know if it's cursive it couldn't be this blue collar type of people that we're portraying hunters as <laughs> so they've all got a type cast to their text unfortunately i think yeah but they like these journals it's lined notebook paper and mm-hmm. they still are like fucking slenderman horror movie <laughs> scribbles it's because they come back afterwards and they're like oh i forgot to put this sentence in and like rather than having this be like a ringed binder that i can just oh no wait it is a ringed binder anyways i'm just gonna scribble onto the page it looks so much more artistic than like a nicely single spaced page it's just bad record keeping b (laughs) i mean has any one of them gone to school for like archival work or anything like that? There's got to be a hunter out there who has that backstory. If only there were like hunters that kept libraries of like <laughs> supernatural things that were like the research division of the supernatural world and be like, I don't know, maybe they had like a, a like group. a bunker uh-huh that that like a bunker like a bunker yeah like maybe like a you bunker. you know they write in cursive okay and that tells us they're bad guys <laughs> okay 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 back okay. on track okay <laughs> so this sketchy gang is saying that they want drinks all around elkins skedaddles out of there and he is shakily making his way into his cabin Um, And though he has locked the door, he realizes he's not alone inside. The gang leader, Kate, is there with him. Somehow, like, beating him back to this fucking cabin, even though we just saw her settling in at the bar. (laughs) I I guess they're fast or something. In their cars? Because we see that's how they travel this whole episode. They're just carring it up everywhere you're right like, you're right they're not uh you know edward cullen gazelling <laughs> through the woods that got me that got me good um he throws a knife at her gets her in the chest she is unaffected she just says damn because we're gonna see her get stabbed later and it's her catchphrase apparently when this happens I love um, it. I gotta. I gotta say. So okay. So so this Kate person and the and Mister Elkins. He lo- they look acquainted. They have a little banter, like long time no see. Mm-hmm. Oh look, you've gotten old. Um. So they this this is some sort of reunion. But anyways, um, when Kate gets stabbed to the, through the chest, and then later when she gets an arrow to the back, she's just like she just looks at it. And she's like, damn. And, and I love it because she's like, this is my good leather jacket, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you just ruined my jean, my jean jacket vest. Come on. I'm going to have to get out the sewing kit again. I've had this. I've had this jean jacket since 1963. Okay. This is going to say before they were called Levi's. Like this is OG denim here. I love her. Oh. And did you notice this episode? I'm not sure if future episodes do the same thing, but we're really doing the 
cat's eye reflective thing with the vampires this episode. I know. It's um it's almost like we see uh in later seasons when we introduce the concept of a shifter. Oh wait, never mind. We did that with skin. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, We liked it so much we wanted to do it again. Yeah, I guess John Sheeman, who wrote Skin, uh yeah liked it so much that they did it again and we definitely do carry that forward through the whole series with the shifters uh that's Mm -hmm. one of the telltale signs of a shifter the reflective eyes uh i don't think that we ever do that with vampires later on and honestly i'm kind of i i liked it i was like oh that's 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 better i like that that's good yeah, like it really get, does an effective, unsettling visual to let you know that there is something other about this person. There's something supernatural about them. Yeah. But I'm guessing that they didn't do that just so that their lore was cleaned up, you know, that they had these very quick visual cues that they could give a show where we see a flash of eyes and then we don't have five minutes of Sam and Dean trying to figure out whether it's a vampire or a shifter. Mm -hmm. They just see the eyes and they go shifter. Boom. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, I guess shifters and werewolves, the shape shifters, they are affected by silver, but vampires aren't, they're not affected by salt. Um, Mm. I guess, I, I guess all of our vampires just conveniently lower their fangs and they're like, Oh, there you are. Shit, we got them. We got them. Yeah. It, it's a tidying up of the world that unfortunately... Um, I, I like it when it's messy. I like when it's complicated and it's not cut and dry. I mean, I but just like it is what it is. I liked and I liked the visual effect of it. Like you said, it was yeah. it was unsettling, and it made these um, these these predators look like you know it, it was just unsettling. They made it made you feel like you were being like these things were other, and they were after you. Yeah, you weren't just being menaced by some sort of biker gang or something. <laughs> yes, you had actual predators mm-hmm. um, in your house. The call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> and so since he's thrown this knife and kind of pissed her off, um, Elkins runs into the office. He's barricaded the door with a bookshelf, which he moves fucking easy. Um, <laughs> there is a safe that he is trying to crack as Kate is banging down the door. And although Elkins is able to retrieve the contents of this safe um, and he's opens this box there's this antique gun in it there's about five rounds in the box he loads the chamber um but before he can really do anything with this weapon the skylights above his office both of them smash in as two additional vampires join the fight yes they um they drop in kate takes her cue to bust through the door in the bookshelf and um on kate's cue the other two vampires uh pin mr elkins and we cut to black on his uh unfortunate demise yeah there's some chomping noises even if we don't see the chomping and 
Um, the next thing we hear about him in the following scene where um, Sam and Dean are in some diner in the Midwest. Um, Dean is looking through a newspaper, Sam is looking online, and they're trying to get an idea of what cases are out there that they could follow. Which doesn't seem to be much because they're not finding anything, searching high and low, Nebraska, the Carolinas, Ohio, nothing, nothing, a whole lot of nothing. So Dean says, well, you know, we could, we could just, uh, how about we just keep heading east then? Let's, uh, let's go make a social call. How about that Sarah girl? You guys seem friendly. Yeah. The person we just saw last week. <laughs> Let's go back. Well, maybe it's been a while for them. Maybe we've got a bit of a time them, skip. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind when there's a time skip. Um, It isn't super clear on first watch. You have to really read between the lines to get that. But I, I like when there's more to their lives that we aren't seeing. We're just left to infer. Mm-hmm. But Sam's not interested. He says, uh, he, he, he gently berates Dean for slacking off because, you know, maybe, maybe they'll go make social calls some other time. But, but right now, don't you know that there's a lot, to, there's a lot of work to do, Dean? And I'm like, didn't, weren't yeah. you just talking about how there's no work to do? But okay. Yeah. I mean, are we meant to draw this early on in the episode parallels between Sam and John? Like that John is all about the job, what needs to be done. And here Sam is saying that work is all that matters to him right now, too. Yeah. But I think that even last episode, we were talking about it a bit. This is definitely Sam's go-to defense. You know, he talked with Sarah last episode about, um, or Sarah talked at Sam last episode and we were drawing those, you know, Sarah as a mirror to Sam and her grief mm-hmm. and how she retreated into her safe spaces and didn't want to deal with her trauma and was instead just, um, you know, cocooning herself in the, in the work and her home and the places that made her feel, um, secure and, the the parallels that we were drawing is that Sam's doing the same thing, drawing the work like a shield around him so that he yeah. can block out the uh, his real his real feelings, his real trauma. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair assessment and like good job doing a connection to last week because sometimes I'm not even sure the writers do that. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and and also with this episode, like you said, the parallels now to John bringing John into it is that, um, I mean, John essentially has for the last 20 years done the same thing. He has, uh, you know, used his focus on the work, directed all of his focus in on the work as a, as a way to channel his grief and, Mm -hmm. you know, everything has become about this, this evil in the world and not only, um, you know, protecting the world against it, but also ultimately driving towards this revenge plot in defeating the thing that caused all of his grief in, in Mary's death. 
Yeah, and we hear the line from John where he says that he isn't sure when it happened, but he went from being a dad to a drill sergeant. And I think that this burying yourself in the work is a great way to lose track of the bigger picture, including, you know, who are you outside of the work? And, I mean, hell, to hear Sam and Dean talk about it, I think when it happened was the the day that John met Mo, uh mosley i'm, I'm sorry mm-hmm. what's, her, what's her name missouri Mi- missouri missouri mosley mm-hmm. uh and was put on this path and that was the day that he you know missouri said that he was drowning in his grief and um just had nowhere to go and she pointed him in the direction that defined like the rest of their lives up to this point yeah and yeah yeah yeah. i mean for better or worse that's where they are yeah she's she she set john loose on on this path and this is where they are yeah oh i mean i don't want to get into hypotheticals of how different life could have been if you know john went to find a therapist instead of a gun but (laughs) it is what it is we wouldn't have the show without it Mm. um back at the diner um sam notes this article that's talking about the Elkins case where the cops are stumped because at first it seemed like a bear attack and then there's signs of robbery and bears don't burgle um and the name that Sam mentioned pings in Dean's memory and when he fishes out John's journal he finds an entry with the name D Elkin and there is a Colorado area code for the phone number listed for him yeah seems like it's worth investigating yeah if this is a hunter then they should check it out or they don't know who it is they just know that it's some sort of contact of john's potentially that's fair that's fair um so they go and arrive at the cabin it's late at night they are searching it with their flashlights and sam spies a salt ring and dean is looking at the hunter journal um elkins has been working on since the 60s yeah yeah so, you know, if John's been at it since the 80s, now they just unlocked a whole new chapter of of history, Hunter history mm-hmm. with um, Elkin's journal that they even note looks a lot like John's. Yeah. So John might have even got the inspiration for how to keep a journal after being in contact with Elkin's. Right. Right. So this guy is definitely a player in the game. So as they are putting together that puzzle, we see outside that there is someone watching the cabin. Um, but inside, the boys note the empty gun case that's on the floor. And there are also these scratches on the floor that are in the shape of a postal code mail drop location. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That was just one of those things that the writers put in there. It's like, don't look too closely. I just wanted to put some bloody letters on the floor like yeah elkin scratched them into the hardwood with his fingernails three numbers well he's getting chomped on i know three three letters and six digits like he is writing a fucking novel with yeah (laughs) it would have been easier i guess if it was just like he wrote it in his own blood but the scratching thing i'm like that took me out and they tried to walk us through it by having pen- the 
pencil rubbing that Dean uh-huh. is doing on top of these scratches. But I'm like, it still looks like garbage. Like, none of this looks... I don't know what you guys are doing. Okay, it's a postal code. Okay, fine. Let's go to the post office. (laughs) I know. I know. And the whole thing was so weird because it was like he was trying to send this message to to John and and he supposedly had this whole thing prepped. He had the letter in the post box that was like, if you're reading this, I'm already dead. So it's not like... It's not like this was some impromptu information that he had to depart in his last moments. Otherwise, it would have been lost to the world. Like, yeah, he could have just put he could have just put the combination code in his fucking desk drawer and they could have found it just as easily. Yeah, I'm like trying to do a backflip here and I'm like, okay, maybe the rug was like covering these scratches on the floor. And then during the scuffle, the rug got moved. And then that's how all of a sudden that information (laughs) was visible. But it didn't play for the camera at all. Unfortunately, we just have to take them for granted and be like, okay, this is the next scene. All right, we're going with. Yep. Yep. Oh, but before we do leave, we do see uh, as Sam and Dean are um, investigating this dark cabin in the woods, we cut outside of the cabin and we see a figure at the tree line observing the mm-hmm. the cabin uh, as Sam and Dean are inside. Yeah, and... some sort of unknown voyeur. Yes, yes, yes. So we get to the post office box. Um, They are, I don't know, are they picking the lock? Is it a fucking safe? Like it's got a little spinny wheel. I've never seen that at a post office box. (laughs) I've never seen it either. But but remember the code that the mail drop code that they uncovered is three numbers and six digits. So it is the post, it's the box number is the three numbers and then the six digits is the, um, or sorry, the three letters and then the six digits is the combination for the, for the box. So. That's so much writing. I know. <laughs> oh, who He's has, up in who has come to say hello? Hello. Hello, Aries. The most intense purring could ever hear. Yes. Y'all, I'm babysitting two dogs this week. In addition to my own two dogs, and I am shocked that someone isn't clawing at the door yet. <laughs> Knock on wood, because <sighs> you might have jinxed it. Uh, this is what you get when your family's out of town and they're, they they don't want to pay for a kennel. <laughs> That's okay. As long as everybody's getting along. Everyone's getting along. Yes. The little the little one, the little Maltese, is very is is brave though and wants to chase the cat. That oh is gosh. legitimately bigger than her. So <laughs> it's been going I love about when little dogs are so brave. It's been going about as good as you can expect. The cat just gets somewhere high and just glares <laughs> at this annoying little rat that's chasing her around her own house. Just psychic damage that she's inflicting. <laughs> she's... The psionic energy. Okay, I think Aries is settled. I think well. Yeah, so they use this combination. They get into the post office box. There is a letter for a JW. And they're like, we know a JW. And I was like, does Elkins know more than one JW? (laughs) Should we open it? I mean, it's a federal offense. It's okay. They don't have to. Because, oh, did you notice that this fucking letter had a post a postage stamp on it so maybe he did have like some p- 
posthumous instructions. That's like, if I don't pay for my box in three months, then, you know, send this letter off. Address to JW. But like a P.O. Box 50? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot that was just... We're moving along. Moving along. <laughs> moving along. They don't the boys don't have to open the letter because JW himself scares the shit out of Dean by knocking on the window. Yeah. yeah. And I noticed that this window is up for the first scene and it's down for the end of the scene. <laughs> um and yeah, they're sitting in the car wondering what to do, and then knock knock, John climbs into the back seat and is like, Hey, I'm here because of Daniel, too, and good job covering your tracks. I didn't come in because I'm making sure you boys are still doing your homework. Like I know. I had to check. Oh, oh my God. They're, they, John's like, I saw you at the cabin. Sam, why didn't you come in? Well, you know why, Sam. I had to check that you weren't followed. And I'm like, and just the way that he says it, it's like, I gotta, I, I gotta check your, check your work, boys. Exactly. Yep. I'm like, he sounds paranoid with that shit. Like, I get that they're in a dangerous job, but I'm also like, it's paranoia, honey. It's paranoia. But then also right off the bat, he's being like terse and, and um, dismissive. Surgeonty. Yeah. So he demands the letter. Yeah. Because naturally he's here, so he should open it. Mm. And then he's being cryptic. Like, oh, that son of the bitch. He finally found it. <laughs> and it's like, found what? And instead, John starts asking them questions like, did you guys see this anti-cult revolver when you guys were throwing the place? I'm like, John, you could have gone in and searched it, but well, we covered the- why you had to be dramatic. Yes, yes. He does need a reason for the drama. Uh, but to be fair, up until he saw the letter, the cult wasn't even on his radar I do agree, but if he knew that Elkins was looking for it, then that could have been one of his, like, maybe I'll scope it out and see. True. But he had to follow the boys first, because he had to make sure that no one else was following the boys. No. And, and again, being terse and dismissive all the way through, uh, which mm-hmm. is going to rub Sam the wrong way, because it always rubs Sam the wrong way. And barking out these questions about the gun, like, we did, did you see it? No, just a case that might have been it. Well, we have to go get it. Uh, we got to track it down. What's so important about this gun? We, we just got to find it. Why? Yeah. Because it's important. Like, what's that? What's that? Um, SpongeBob meme where he's got his arms like ducked out because it's important. <laughs> That's why. Like, it's just head down, feet running with John. And Sam wants to take a minute here to be like, hey, can you explain your thought process? And John's like, no. Yeah. It's like, okay, do you not have a thought process? Is it all instinct? What is this? <laughs> or well, is it just 20 years of being the drill sergeant that you are falling back into old habits fast? Well, exactly. And that's those are exactly the questions that Sam is asking internally. And the questions that Dean is content ignoring, he's, like, just ready to accept it because he's always been ready to accept it. Or he's been trained to be ready to accept it, and he's more accepting of that than Sam is. Yeah. Yeah, he falls back into those habits just as fast. But Sam's parting note with his dad was 
antagonistic and those old feelings of how he left are still really informing the way he's engaging with John. And, and Sam is saying, really pushing back, like when John is saying, we gotta go, we gotta go hunt this down, we gotta go now. Sam is saying, we don't even know what it is. Like, what are you talking about? We don't know what killed Elkins. You just want to go after it? Mm-hmm. But, but you know, this, this is something that John does deem worthy of explaining because, yes, Sam, I know what it is. It's vampires. Yeah, it's like the David Caruso, he puts his sunglasses down and fire goes off behind him. (laughs) It's vampires. So we find out that um, Dean thought that they didn't exist. John never made any mention of them. And John's like, yeah, I thought they were extinct, that Elkins and his lot hunted them down until there was none left. But nope, they still exist. And we get this lore dump over a montage of the sketchy gang vampires um, hunting down their next prey. Yeah, they're getting some rogue food. Yeah. So the way that Supernatural establishes vampires is a lot of the lore that is commonly known around them isn't true in this universe. So crosses, um, all that kind of jazz is not a big deal to them. Instead, they were human. They need fresh human blood to survive. And... um, yeah, not even sunlight really phases them. Yeah. Yeah. So while that monologue is going on, the vampires force a car to stop in the middle of the highway. And when the driver comes out to check on the body lying in the middle of the road, um, the vampire, I think his name's Bo, um, he reveals his second row of teeth and he attacks. Yes. And we cut to John and Sam and Dean at a motel room. John is up and uh, listening to the police scanner while Mm -hmm. Dean and Sam are sleeping. Uh, And we hear the uh, police dispatch uh, talking about this incident on the highway and uh, apparently the couple that we saw in the car that got stopped uh, by the vampire pack. They called in the body in the road, but by the time the police got there, they too were missing and the car had been abandoned. And John, hearing this, leaps up, leaps into action, shakes awake uh, Sam and Dean and says, eh, we gotta go. I just heard and I know yeah, we got a lead. Are. Yeah, we got a lead. Let's go. Yeah. And Sam's not happy with this. He's trying to ask John, well, how do you know it's a lead? And John is annoyed that he's being questioned and he's just telling them to follow along. Um, and they arrive at the crime scene. It's so funny. It's so funny how much I flip flop in this whole during this like whole sequence of events where we have three different scenes within the span of like five minutes where we're building up this entire like and we're going from zero to a hundred uh on the antagonism between sam and john and um i at first i was like yeah sam go but then by the end of it i'm just 
laughing my ass off because he's such a fucking brat and then they're both brats and then poor dean and it's just so oh, it was no. such a roller coaster this this whole like little portion of the episode i'm like what is going on i know i'm like if anyone could use their sentences and explain their feelings <laughs> we would get so much farther but instead we're just snipping at each other and just do as I tell you. Well, I'm not going to do it because you just told me to do it. You didn't tell me why. And it's like, oh, my God. I, I'm, i like, imagining the car going, like, 80 and Dean just opening the passenger door <laughs> and just throwing himself out. I know. Just like, like the, get uh, me out. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, um, it's cra- crazy stupid love where Steve Carell throws himself out of the car when... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, to get away from his wife talking about her affair. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to do it. Like, seriously. <sighs> but still, Perfect. like, we're we're at this crime scene now. Um, John is over talking to the police on the scene while Sam and Dean are at the Impala. Uh, and <laughs> Sam, like, arms crossed pouty mouth <laughs> i don't see why we couldn't have gone with him and it's like yeah three random guys show up to the cops and start questioning about missing persons like are you sure you wouldn't become suspects right away in that instance like i'm i'm barely extending grace to john showing up and asking questions <laughs> and i like imagining him bending down and picking up one of these vampire teeth off the road and like don't be suspicious don't be suspicious i feel more like john is i i I do kind of wonder about this would would john be the kind of person that like people answer him because he because let's think of the different ways that uh we see the winchesters playing this kind of thing if it was dean that was sauntering up and trying to get information he would try to be sly about it he would lie 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 build up this whole story create a tailored situation this persona to um to just perform to get Mm -hmm. the answers that he that he wants uh out of out of whoever he's he's trying to con at this moment if it was Sam, he would go and um, we see him more often than not trying the like sympathetic route or trying to just be really like personable and sincere. Uh, but he can get firm when he feels that he needs to. Uh, and I feel like with John, how do I see John falling mm-hmm. here? I just feel like he would just exude this confidence that people would have to respond to. And I just feel like Dean would be the kind of guy that never felt confident enough to even like emulate that. So he developed his own kind of MO in approaching situations like this while Sam would, would either like reject the whole, put his nose up at the whole the whole yeah. rigmarole and instead just try to be sincere about it um or be like john and just be firm and in, in demanding his answers yeah that's a really good point like i feel we see dean rely on his charm and sam rely on his empathy 
And I wonder if John relies on his authority. Yes. You know, that if he is going up and questioning cops, he is exuding the air of some sort of retired police force person, you know, Mm -hmm. and getting his in that way. To to hear, um, you know, not just not only Sam and Dean, but even other hunters that were familiar with John. Uh, later on in the seasons, uh, he was very much the good old boy, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. The Marine drill sergeant mm-hmm. that he even calls himself. But we see Sam regressing into a bratty 16-year-old right before our eyes, and Dean just scoffs at sam's attitude and is it starting already seriously and like trying to cut him off before it can even start because sam's being snippy and then that's making john snippy and when john kind of gets sam to shut his mouth um he's still annoyed but it's like he can't take it out on sam so his parting words to dean are like why don't you touch up your car before you get rust i wouldn't have given you the damn thing if i thought you'd ruin it like his frustration at sam can't be vented on the target and so it's just thrown at dean because dean will take it without complaint exactly exactly oh my god it was such eldest daughter syndrome through this episode like i i felt that where john is walking away annoyed like you said and he is just he's just throwing knives at the easy target in this case it's Mm -hmm. dean yeah and dean you can see it hits him it hurts, but he doesn't really have any way of expressing that. Like, I don't think it's really dawned on him to question it or counter it in a way that is more like how Sam does. Mm-hmm. Um, he just absorbs it and then forms a pearl shell around that piece of pain. <laughs> and what is this episode doing giving me baby meta thoughts because just John's comment about you know Dean taking care of the car or not seeming to give the car the care that mm-hmm. not only John expects out of Dean but I would say even I would expect out of Dean. We even talked about it last episode how um how baby is this, I don't know, season one, just season one is trying to exude this Americana road, uh, you know, on the road vibe mm-hmm. with their classic muscle car, two guys, the Blue diners. collar kind of. Right. The motel Heavy rocks. Yes, yes, yes. And um, they're, they're definitely hitting that aesthetic uh, in a lot of ways, but with with the Impala um, as a prime example of it, and she's just this this yeah the, this gritty, dusty um, Americana car, prime Americana, and um, but anyways, we were talking about it a little last episode, like you said, that blue collar <laughs> feel that they were trying to give. Um, Amongst all those posh cars. Right, right, right. And, um, 
And I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about about Dean in the car all through season one so far. And like I said, it's not... It surprised me how how we don't get that real like like this is my baby feel from Dean in season one yet, and you can attribute yeah. that to a lot of things. Um, I think that the truth of it is is that we you know this is season one we just haven't established that um, mm-hmm. that canon yet. We're still feeling out the characters and and everything, and Baby is not her own character yet. Yeah. Um, and and you know dean grew into this <laughs> this stereotype of the guy who loves his car mm-hmm. uh over time with supernatural so we're just not there yet but but if i really wanted to like apply some meta to it here because like i said for some reason this episode is giving me supernatural impala meta feels yes i'm like uh, he's just he's just this 26 year old dude that was just you know tossed the keys to the impala by his dad a less than a year ago he doesn't even think it's like his car or maybe he does think it's his car but he doesn't like he doesn't he doesn't have those feelings for a baby yet and it's it's it he he's just this guy that just has i mean i don't know he he's just a person (laughs) But, Do you want to hear how I reconciled this? Wait, one more thing. Okay, go, go, go. Wait, one more thing. Because it, because right now, here, um, he doesn't yet have all those feelings surrounding the car. He doesn't he doesn't attach feeling the feelings for the car to the feelings for family because he and his family grew up in this car and the car has always been there, yada, yada, yada. But he will. He does. And mm-hmm. I think that that turning point is season episode one and two and three season two Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which we're not there yet but yeah i think because we know that if john gave the car to dean then is there part of dean that still thinks of it as john's car that you know we've seen in future episodes that dean berates himself as saying like there's nothing original about himself that everything unique about him he inherited from his dad Mm -hmm. so is this another one of those things that just feels like an extension of john Mm -hmm. i just think that through by the end of supernatural baby is synonymous with family because that is what supernatural did um with you know the the car be- very much became a symbol of family because yeah because Dean is a lasting it. legacy right right but I would say to a certain extent because Dean assigned it that legacy, um, and and this episode made me think of you know when and why that happened and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, now I just want to talk about season two. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost there. We're Being almost there. We're almost there. Yeah. Do you want to hear my reconciliation? Do it. I imagined that there wasn't actually anything needing to be touched up. Like maybe there was like this tiny little um, burn from gravel, you know, like this little chip out of the paint. And John was nitpicking 
And it was a way for Dean to feel like it doesn't matter how hard he tries, he doesn't measure up. I think there's definitely, definitely a layer of that, too. I like, though, the question of when does baby become baby? Mm -hmm. Because there's the two layers that we've been talking about this whole season, really, of, you know, what was intended and what formed organically from the gaps in the story. And as we watch season one, we really can see that, like you said, baby isn't a character yet Mm -hmm. but she will be and it's really when we tie dean to it in season two that that relationship starts to get more thought and better formed in the um scripts and in the story so yeah they have this exchange where everyone's being snippy all around and i don't know john's just like just follow me okay and sam is just just wants to know that we're going in the right direction well i found a vampire fang so i know we're going in the right direction well (laughs) well well yeah exactly exactly and this whole episode we see sam's the driver in the impala Mm -hmm. and i guess we're just showing that he's not in control of his emotions he's trying to control his own narrative and at any rate we have a scene between um Dean in the passenger seat, Sam driving, um, and Dean is reading out the bit that, I guess, it's Elkin's journal talking about vampires. Yeah. Um, that they hunt in packs, that they keep their victims for days and bleed them out slowly, and um, they figure, okay, yeah, that does seem to make sense with what could have happened to this couple that made the 911 call. Yeah. I really, I really like that Dean uh, kept Elkin's journal. He is now, you know, doing, he's now learning from it and, and reading out of it because John had never faced a vampire before. So we, you're right. This is definitely Elkin's journal that's talking about vampire lore. And if Dean had never even, you know, heard mention of one before Dean and Sam, I never heard mention of one before, then it's obviously not in John's journal. So I don't know, just having, having Dean, you know, pocket Elkin's journal and leave the cabin with it. And, uh, it makes me think of the, the bestiary that he creates later in life. And I'm just like, Oh, I love it. Yeah. I was thinking that, you know, he is taking these multiple sources of knowledge and then integrating it into his own journals. But Sam is just being bitchy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Dean is trying to say... Gene, Dean's trying to talk about the vampires, talk about the case. And, um... And... Sam's just kind of like, well, it sure would be nice that John could tell us this type of things with his voice instead of just leaving us to infer. And Dean's like, oh, God. So it's starting, huh? Yeah. And Sam's like, what are you talking about? It's like this, this bitchiness. Like... <laughs> We're back where we were, like, three years ago or whatever. Well, Dean says, like, we have been looking for Dad all year, and now we're with him for less than a couple of hours, and there's already static. We're already, like I said, regressing (laughs) before my very eyes. Like, and, and, and I'm kind of, 
I'm kind of definitely with Dean on this because it's like, oh my god, it was just so instant the fr- the friction and it's building so fast and it's like there's obviously unresolved tensions here and um they're both De- John and Sam just so hard headed, so self righteous and um they <laughs> they even have a conversation later about how um. I, I think I think John was like, I guess we're just too different, and I'm like, lol. It's like, do you not understand how headbutting works? Like, <laughs> you are literally the same person, and that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I guess you know that's just a testament to this episode showing that like these characters don't have a language, they don't have a dictionary that helps them mm-hmm. vocalize what they're feeling. And, like, express it to each other. Communication, moving past this. Instead, it boils out in all these passive-aggressive ways that we're supposed to take as, I don't know, like, masculine. Like, they're both asserting their dominance. But I'm like, no, you're both being petty, little, passive-aggressive people towards each other. And it's not cute. Yeah, absolutely. And now Dean is calling Sam out of it out on it and mm-hmm. uh sam's like uh, no i'm not doing that i'm fine i'm totally fine i'm perfect actually it's dad who keeps treating us <laughs> like children and we're not children dean have you not seen what we've done this last year together we should be treated as adults and it's like oh my god <laughs> I, I know exactly if i was dean i'd be like well then start acting like one <laughs> And he's like, you know, like, dad does what he does for a reason. And Sam is just like, well, what reason is that? (laughs) Oh, my God. But now, like you said earlier, with John taking out his frustrations on Dean, now Sam is doing the exact same thing. Like, so you're just fine with this? You know, what about you? Don't you have a brain or a spine or, like, a single original thought in your head? Come on, Dean. Yeah, are you telling me you're cool following the line and just letting him run the whole show? And Dean responds, if that's what it takes. Because for Dean, it's always been about, like, the people that they are saving. We saw that in the episode Shadow, um, where he's saying, like, the job is what's important. Saving all of those people is what brings meaning to him. And we kind of see that John and Sam are in the other boat of vengeance, like Mm -hmm. getting answers for what happened to their loved ones is what drives them. Well, I, I love that you took it that way because I took it a completely different way. Oh, tell me. Dean, I mean, when Sam here is now calling out Dean on, you know, are you okay with this? Are you okay with the way that John treats us? Like, how, how can you be? Um, and Dean says, well, you know what? I will be okay with this if that's what it takes. And when he said that, my fucking heart just melted and cracked into at the same time, because to me, when he said, if that's what it takes, it was to say, if that's what it takes to keep my family together, if that's what it takes to, to, uh, you know, have my dad back and have you back. And, and if that's what it takes to work together in this then yeah you know what i will shut up and follow orders because that's the only thing that gets dad to stick around oh my god remy why did you stab me why did you do that (laughs) how rude 
That really sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was really like, oh my god, Dean, my baby, because, yeah. Whatever it takes. Dean would do whatever it takes to, he, he does put himself down on the tracks if that's what it takes to to keep his family together, because that's all that he wants. He t- we talked about it in uh in Route Six Six Six. It's just like he is desperate to to have to have the family stick together, because that's all that he feels he has. Yeah, yeah. He just wants to have his brother and his dad in his life, and he's constantly put in this position where it's like you need to pick one but neither one is giving you a compelling argument they're arguing at you yeah you're just the mirror or you're the surface that is um showing the absent the absent party um in that uh, conversation (laughs) feels okay yeah yeah so sam is doing what john did and he is putting his irritation on Dean because Dean isn't putting out more of a fight. Yeah. And, and I think he's, you know, he's saying either, you know, agreeing with John, I don't, I don't want to fight about it. I just want to get the job done or just, you know, agreeing with Sam when Sam is saying, you know, are you, do you, are you really okay with this? Do you really just want to take it? And he, I don't think that Dean really does, but he will. Because he feels like he has to. Yeah. And it can go back to the fact, you know, season one, Dean hasn't really had a moment where he can explore his sense of autonomy mm-hmm. um, and how he has resentments to the way that he was raised. Um, I think that he is still bottling that up really deeply. And um, he just hasn't had a chance to be like, yeah, no, I'm pissed off about this, too. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, tense times with Sam behind the wheel. I would be like, keep your eyes on the road, keep your mind on your driving, keep your hands on the wheel. B, this is supernatural. We don't watch the road. What are you talking about? The road just takes us where we need to. (laughs) And apparently where we need to be is at the vamp nest party at the barn. So... We're leaving behind the family drama right now. We're going to see what the vampires are up to. Um, one of them is trying to force the victim, Jenny, to drink a beer because it'll he'll be able to taste it when he feeds on her and she spits the beer in his face. And before he can hit her, Kate tells him off, um, telling him to wait because Luther is just arriving. And arrive he does in dramatic double barn door entrance. Yes. And it's time for them to have a sloppy makeout in front of all the rest of their crew because she hasn't seen him in a while. And uh, we find out, you know, vampires mate for life. So this is who she's chosen. And um, she shows off to Luther um, the stash that they took from Elkins. Uh, but Luther's more upset that she killed him, even if she did it for his revenge. Yeah, because it sounds like um, uh, El- Elkins was responsible for the death of uh, either like Luther's whole old pack or maybe both Luther and Kate's old pack. Uh, but 
Luther, like you said, berates her because uh, he is is he's not happy that she took out a hunter because where one hunter dies more will come and know the signs and um this is not you know killing a hunter is not flying under the radar it's just inviting trouble luther yeah it's going to draw attention yeah and they don't want to draw attention because i mean he just sees this danger where you know, maybe the same thing that happened before is going to happen now. Hunters are bad business and you do not want their eye on you. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, Kate is still like, hey, look at the treasures <laughs> and shows the gun that she took. And she comments on the fact that it looks like it's from around the time that Luther was born. And Luther knows what that gun is. Yeah. Says he's seen it before, and it's no ordinary gun. Yeah. So, back with Sam and Dean. Um, Dean hangs up his cell in the passenger seat. He's telling Sam to take the next exit. Dad thinks he's got their trail, and Sam has just gone monosyllabic. Did I say that word? Monosyllabic. Yes. I I feel like I said it. Yeah, Um, you got it, but... Yeah. Dean just has to pull off at the next exit. Why? Because he has a trail on the vamps. How? I don't know. He didn't say. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, Sam. Why don't you get on the phone with him? Yeah. Like, Sam's pissed that Dean didn't ask more questions. And no. Dean's like, do we not just have a conversation about why we don't ask questions? <laughs> so, yeah. So, Sam decides that he's going to speed up and cut off John in the middle of the road. And Dean's like, oh, God, here it goes. Like, <laughs> it's it's starting. It's happening right now. Oh, my God. I was just like, fucking lol. Because he's such a petulant little shit. <laughs> Honestly. It's like, I'm going to get us both in a car accident before I turn off at this exit. Like, fuck this. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, Dean, no, Sam comes out swinging, like, where do you think you get off? John is saying, like, what the hell do you think you're doing? And they're just at each other's throats. And Dean is trying to defuse the situation, pushing, like, physically pushing Sam back, like, okay, tough guy. Uh, you've made your point. I love that line from Dean because it's like, mm-hmm. God, I, so mm-hmm. I I am living for Dean right now because he, I, I would not want to be stuck in the middle of this. No. And like, that's where he puts himself is he's bodily trying to push them apart. But Sam's demanding to know what's going on with the gun. John orders him back in the car, but he refuses they are kind of in a stalemate until Dean breaks them up. And as Sam is walking back to the car, he mutters beneath his breath, like, this is why I left yeah. the first time. Or in the first place, I should say. And then John's like, what did you say? Oh, my God. John, now now we you know have hit on what seems to be the core of the issue. Yeah, that's right. You left. You're the one who walked away. Your brother and I, we needed you. And 
you left us behind. And then Sam comes back to say, well, you're the one that told me not to come back. You shut the door, not me. So these are all of those simmering resentments that have existed since since episode one. Sam has not not had kind feelings towards John because the Mm -hmm. last time that they were together, they had this, or, well previous to season one the start of season one the last time they had even seen each other um had been years ago when sam left for college and nothing everything was left unresolved and it was this huge blowout fight and um and the last time that we saw uh john was in shadow uh, where everything was, you know, it was, it was very, it was very brief and, uh, high stakes and they had a little bit of an emotional, an emotional reunion at that time. Uh, but again, nothing got talked about. And so, you know, they, they can't just hug it out and forget about it. I, I think that yeah. there are still, like I said, those simmering events that are just now coming, uh, to yeah. light. Yeah, and, you know, the conversation that took place in Shadow, I think, is really informing what's happening in this episode, because Sam and Dean were told that, you know, we have to stay separate, and, you know, Dean agreed, we have to stay separate for Dad's safety and for ours, because he's vulnerable when we're with him, but, I mean, we take a step back, and that logic falls apart, because John's been on the road with fucking toddlers, (laughs) And was still doing the work. So it's more than that that is making John keep his distance from them. And I think that there maybe is a sense of that. I don't think that the writing is really focusing on it until later in the episode. Um, But just, you know, they reunited. They were driven apart. There's not a lot of answers coming out. So that frustration is coming from multiple sources and there's nowhere for it to really go besides to these big blows. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, they are taking those big low blows. And the way that they're yelling at each other, like Sam and John are the only ones on the screen. We hear Dean Mm -hmm. yelling for them to cut it out, but he's not even in the frame. Um, Sam's just heated because of John telling him not to come back, back in the day. And the fight gets to the point where it's physical, and then that's when Dean is able to grapple them apart again and tell them that it, tell them both that that's enough. Um, so I th- found it was really telling that, you know, Dean's not even considered in this conversation. It's Sam and John in the moment that are taking up all the space in this family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's only once they're able to blow off some steam that Dean gets a place in the family again. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think that's, I think that's more cinematography than the, (laughs) the director probably deserves credit for, but I love... (laughs) Well, like, where, where I'll give it the is the fact, too, that, like, Dean is constantly trying to get between the two of them to stop the fight. And then when he does grapple them apart and they both leave to their respective vehicles, Dean is left in the middle alone. 
Like, that's... I know. I felt like this scene is doing a lot of storytelling in that regard, that John and Sam, when they're close to each other, it's very explosive, it's argumentative, and then Dean is either wedged out of the picture or he is left standing solo. And, you know, that's quite the seesaw for him to be on, never knowing if it's going to be the day where he's iced out or, you know, they're not talking to each other or if it's the day where it's all sparks and fireworks and arsonism going down and he's like, great, now I have to put this fire out too. Right. The only thing he can do is hope to mitigate the damage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's so, there, there is a lot um, in this episode that is being exposed about the Winchester family dynamics, and I find it fascinating. Yeah, you're yeah. putting a really good point on I love when the girls here. are fighting. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. So with Dean standing there, just being like terrific, we cut back to the vampires. We have Kate and Luther getting frisky. They catch Jenny watching, and. We're going to just keep this weird erotic tension up as Kate um, feeds Jenny her blood via a kiss. And then, oh no, Jenny's a vampire. And this will haunt us for the rest of our lives. Throughout all five pages of my notes, I have her name written down as Jenna. And I'm not even sorry. I No. <laughs> what a callback for the finale to make. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here. I'm just having that moment from Guardians of the Galaxy. The who? It's it's actually so funny because um, the like watching this episode again was almost surreal because they made this callback to you know bringing Jenny back uh, in the in the final episode of supernatural 15 years later and they're like yeah jenny remember her and they give us this little like flashbacks from this episode yeah and and now you know a year past the finale i'm watching this episode and i'm like no this is even this is even worse of a pool than i could have imagined because one we are never given this girl's name two she has like two lines the whole episode three Mm -hmm. she doesn't even she doesn't even have any sort of like any sort of anything after she's turned. They made a big deal that she was like she she so embraced the like the vampirism and um and like Sam and Dean ruined her life or whatever uh by breaking up her her pack um and I'm like I'm like did they. Girl, girl, you knew them for like two hours, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like watching this episode and I forget Jenny's in it. And they're like, we're going to call back to her 15 years from now and expect you to remember. I know. Exactly. I mean, even Kate would have been an improvement if you were going to pull from this episode. You could pull Kate into season 15, but I guess she was busy. I know. I know. I think that even... Gosh, does Jenny even make mention to to like Luther's death in the season fin- in the series finale? Oh, I'd have to rewatch it, and that's not um, gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna no. happen. No. Anyways, so yeah, her whole thing. She was basically 
playing Kate, uh, something that, like you said, would make more sense to Kate uh, in that series finale callback um, and just completely missed the mark in many, many, many ways. Yes. Uh, but rewatching this episode is like, wow, you missed the mark in more ways than even I thought. Honestly, honestly. So weird. So wild. Oh, I my know. God. The weirdest pull. So and weird to think about. That's what they did. That's what. Well, Jimmy, Jenny, uh, Jenny's a vampire now. Yeah, good for her. Um, we're back to daytime. We're outside the barn where these vampires are staying. We see a bunch of junker cars and Sam and Dean and John lurking in the bushes nearby. They're coming up with the plan for how they're going to sneak in and look for the cult and. You know, they sleep during the day, but they can wake up. And Dean kind of makes the comment like, oh, it wouldn't be a good idea to just walk in there. And John's like, no, that's exactly the plan. I'm like, how did you live this long? (laughs) And it gets even worse as they actually execute this supposed plan A. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what the plan is. It's like walk inside, question mark, question mark, question mark, find the cult. They but don't like, even they don't even plan on like releasing hostages or no I well it seems like once they actually get inside they find the hostages and then Sam and Dean um prioritize them uh over dispatching the the sleeping vampires but I don't know if that was even the plan to dispatch anybody no I don't think it was I genuinely think it was we're gonna walk in there. We're going to be the quietest little church mice. We're going to lift blankets and look under desks and we're going to try and find the cult and then we're going to leave. I thought they were hunters. I thought they, like, wanted to get rid- Vampires are big and scary! (laughs) I thought they wanted to get rid of the big scary vampires that killed people. I mean, that's just showing how much I paid attention to this part of the plot. Whoops. It was was so funny. Yes, yes. Um, They- there seemed to be no uh, plan to engage. We're really just sneaking, trying to find this cult, I guess. And that's yeah. the entirety of the plan. Yeah. So we see, okay, the vampires are in these, like, weird... What? Hammocks? Hammocks. Thank you. <laughs> um, John has snuck into Luther and Kate's little love nest, and he's got his eyes on the colt, but around the time that Sam and Dean are trying to free the hostages, um, Sam's releasing of Jenny makes Jenny wake up, and then she starts screaming and alerts the entire pack to their presence. Yes. Somehow they all make it out. <laughs> Somehow. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't know what happened to vampires being faster and stronger than your average human human person, but. It's so sleepy. Okay. They're I'm so sorry. sleepy. I'm just having a moment. Like, imagine that you're like in your house and you're in bed and you're just sleeping and then you hear a fucking noise and you wake up and like someone's in your house and you chase after them for a bit but like you were sleepy (laughs) how much hand-eye coordination do you have how fast are you going like do you have to put on pants (laughs) 
There's all of these type of things where it's like, fuck it. If they left the house, I'm just going to make sure the locks are on and like call that good. I'm not saying that's how I would react in real life, but I imagine these strong, powerful vampires are like, I really need my shut eye. Uh, and well, fuck going outside. Yeah, to hear to hear John uh, talk about it, it looks like they really are going to wait till the morning to file that police report because the vampires will not follow in the daytime. They have, uh, you know, they'll wait till night. They have now- For- in an inadequately explored reason. It's like, okay, yeah, they'll just wait. I don't know. I think, I mean, well, so John's reasoning, it's like, I, I don't know. He says that now um, that the vampires have caught uh, their scent, uh, they have everything that they need to hunt Sam and Dean and John down. Uh, yeah. To, whenever to the, they want. Yeah, whenever they want to the ends of the earth. Once they catch your scent, they uh they know it for life. So If I was Sam or Dean, I'd be like, I would have loved to know that before I went in there. I know. Like, if I was making immortal enemies that could trace me down just by scent, I just I wanna go into that decision informed that I'm making that decision. Nope, nope. Um I don't know, I guess I guess plan A failed. Now we have no choice but to engage with the vampires because otherwise they're just going to hunt you down like a dog. Yeah. Because that's what they do, apparently. And they are content to just leave their prey sitting scared until uh, until they're ready to go on the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. Since we got out of that little predicament and jumped into a new one, how about you tell us what the cult is now? Give us the legend, daddy. And... Yeah, like, what is this all for? Seriously? Like, tell us. I mean, actually, but the boys don't push for it. Um, John does offer the information. Like, he's yes. had some time to, to ruminate and stew on it. So he's like, fine, I'll throw them a bone. Well, he's offering it so that they'll go yes, sir, at him. Mm get that little bit of psychological warfare out there so we get this jumbled story <laughs> do i sound pleased with i'm like first of all it's american history i don't i'm like footage not found okay <laughs> and then they're mixing up stuff because haley's comet 1835 alamo okay that's 1836 um somehow we're the same day and this Samuel Colt guy is forging a gun. It wouldn't have been a revolver. It is now. <laughs> um, and he's making a gun for a hunter. And there's these 13 special bullets. And it was used a half dozen times um, before the gun disappeared. But it has the ability to kill anything supernatural including the demon that killed Mary. Yeah, legend has it. It, it okay. can kill anything? You mean like a demon anything? Yeah. I I was watching the special features on the Blu-ray. Oh my god, oh. is it Eric Kripke like, it's a gun, it's cool! Okay, Remy, I wish it was like... Oh, okay. So he's basically telling the story of, once again, his favorite line. This is... 
Star Wars at truck stops in America, okay? Oh, my God. And so he's like, we got Han Solo. We got Luke Skywalker. We need a lightsaber. And so over winter break of season one, he doesn't even have this fucking figure out. He just wants to know what their MacGuffin's going to be. What's the lightsaber? And so he comes up with the idea for this gun. And so he comes back out after winter break, and it's like, this is what we're going to do, guys. This is the Deus Ex Machina that we're adding. And I'm just like, why did you need a lightsaber? Why why is that the impulse in your brain where you're like, they need to have some cool weapon. And like, we're going to come up with this thing with the comet and Samuel Cole. It's American <laughs> history. There's 13 bullets. I'm like, what is this? Like, I don't know. I get so pissy when it comes to... I'm going to make up a MacGuffin and I'm going to make it up three episodes before the end of season one. Well, yeah, but they don't, I, I just wonder, I do wonder what kind of the vision was because I mean, like, did, did Kripke know where he wanted season one to end? He must have. And we don't, spoiler alert, we don't end with the death of the demon. In this season one. So he theoretically like, had the entirety of season two to figure this out. He just decided over the winter break that he, you know, he wanted the cult now. Remy, Remy, yeah. do not give this man too much credit, okay? <laughs> These, this was the staff that during the writer's strike of 08 was like, well, we're sure in a pickle. How do we get Dean out of hell? <laughs> like... I I will grant you they have some idea for the direction they're going. Um, I've heard story of like maybe Kripke has the vision in his head, but he doesn't express it because he doesn't want to get boxed in if he gets a better idea, which I'm like, yeah, that's fair. I As a creative, it's nice to kind of hold on until you are at the point where your decision is firm. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, what if... If you cracked open his little noggin and you looked inside, what if it was just, like, the Wii shopping channel music playing? (laughs) And, like, he's just waiting for something to come up on the screensaver. And he's like, that's cool. Let's do that. I mean, honestly, if if we want to talk about losing the, the thread of the plot, I was thinking about this episode. The fact that we haven't even mention sam's like psychic abilities that were a huge thing in the first eight episodes of the season like at all in the past six episodes or so yep where did that go (laughs) like if this gun is as powerful as they say it is i mean john would have to for 22 years not know that he was pursuing Something so dangerous, he wouldn't be able to kill it without the cult. Like, so for 22 years, he just fucked the dog, drove around the country, traumatized his children, and then during season one is like, oh, it's a demon. Um, maybe I should get that gun that I heard about from Elkins. Like, buddy, you had two decades and some change. To go and, like, get yourself the best equipment. You could have just been hunting this lead for the whole fucking time. 
But because Kripke did not come up with this until he went home for Christmas break during season one of the show he was running and was like, hey, let's come up with a MacGuffin. I mean, but B, you don't even have to pretend to give them credit for John's bigger picture revenge mission because we're explicitly told episode one that John for all these years has been just flying by the seat of his pants, not, not knowing what actually killed Mary, but always on the hunt for it and just fucking stumbling into this whole hunter life in pursuit of, that, uh, you know, finding the one thing that killed Mary. Uh, but it wasn't until episode one that John is like, I, I, th- I think I found it. It's big. I, it's here. Like, I, I finally, I finally have the lead on the thing that killed your mom. And well, we don't hear that in episode one. But yeah, it is season one that we, you know, the things are starting now after 22 years of of it him being on this me. mission it makes me so angry i'm like he's so fucking incompetent and like <laughs> episode one we hear sam making a joke about the fact that oh dad's probably off drunk somewhere i'm like okay but we're just gonna drop this while we have jdm because jdm's charming enough that we're going to rewrite his characterization i don't know that they do rewrite his characterization i mean they do but well, Sam's complaints aren't like you were an absent dad, you were an alcoholic. It was your drill sergeant, you know. Like, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of you're right. I don't know. Personally, there. I can't put those two things together. Yeah, yeah, they don't make mention of it again here and now, but they do many, many times throughout the next fifteen years of Supernatural. Everyone that knew John knew him as a as. As a good old boy, as a drill sergeant, as a marine, as a drunk. Yeah. Uh, And a damn good hunter, but not a damn good father. Yeah. It's just frustrating when the story shows us one thing and tells us another thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, you guys should at least get your shit together and be on the same page. Mm -hmm. You guys are writing the page. Be on the same one. This episode gave me a lot to think about with John. Yeah. Okay, where are we? I don't even know, B. <laughs> oh, so this magic fucking gun was made in two years on the same night. It's had 13 bullets. There's um like five left now, and it can kill anything. Okay, awesome. So this is why it's so important. So, yeah, we kind of did this out They told the legend of the gun, then they went inside and fucked everything up and then mm-hmm. skedaddled away. And they're like, well, shit, what do we do now? And then John's like, better go to a funeral home. And we're supposed to be here like, oh, what does that mean? Is he giving up? Are they supposed to die? But no, let's cut to the (laughs) motel. There is, for some fucking reason, Dean accepted the mission and left Sam and John alone together in this motel room. While um, Sam's pacing and thinking he should go and help Dean with whatever mission he's been tasked with. Wait, 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 B. Do you think that Dean was trying to parent trap 
them or do you think that Dean just wanted to get the fuck away from them for a, for a hot minute? You know what? Let it be both. I could like I could see he was the one who was given the order, so he followed it. <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm kind of glad." Like it's it's that mind puzzle where you got the fox and the chicken and the grain and you have to figure out how to get two across the river at this you know you can only take two at the same time but you have to get all three across yeah and he's like you know what it doesn't matter what combination happens as soon as one of us is removed it'll be calmer (laughs) like either it'll be him and john or it'll be him and sam but the ideal solution is he's not near either one of them to get shit on he just leaves the two of them to squawk at each other yeah yeah I'm not saying that Dean would do that and be like, I feel good about this, but (laughs) me from the outside, I'm like, good, you needed this. You know what? Stop. After you're done at the funeral home, go stop by the spa. Just book yourself in a treatment. Just stay there. You don't need to leave. I was literally just going to say, like, maybe he didn't intend it, but he probably did swing through a Sonic on the way home just to get a a milkshake because by God, he deserves one. Honestly, he's just like, you know what? I deserve a little treat. (laughs) So it's John and Sam that are stuck with each other's company. And John decides to tell Sam an anecdote from the day he was born, where John says that he opened a bank account and he put $100 in it. And each month he was topping up the savings by $100. Um, and he did this for Dean too, and it was meant to be college funds for the boys. Yeah. And he's like, point is, this wasn't the life that I ever wanted for you. Yeah. I had a different vision for you when we were a kid, and it was just somewhere along the way after Mary died that he got, you know, waylaid. But he did it because he saw evil everywhere. He was feeling the dangers of the world for the first time and he only cared about how to keep them alive and how to prep his kids to stay alive and yeah that line of somewhere along the way I stopped being a dad and started being a drill sergeant yeah well I liked where he said um you know I wanted you prepared for this world that was much deeper and uglier and hungrier and darker than I ever thought it was. I wanted you to be ready for it. But then when it came time that when there came the time that you actually wanted to leave, um, you know, John wasn't ready and he didn't feel that Sam was ready or he was just scared. Yeah. Uh, He he wasn't ready to let go. Yeah. He's like, I spent all this time and effort and I lost you or I lost something along the way just trying to prepare you and drill you into being this, like, this, this, this hunter that's... Warrior, yeah. Yeah, that's ready for the, ready for the world. Um, but then when it came time that you actually wanted to go out on your own in the world, I, I balked. I got scared. And it was yeah. basically all for nothing. That's kind of well, how I thought it, read it. And that, you know, he raised his kids, but he didn't see them as having their own identities and their yes. own opinions. And so when Sam expressed something that was outside of what John expected for him, um, he couldn't reconcile Sam's opinion. Like, he couldn't put himself in Sam's shoes. All he saw was that if Sam goes out there alone, he's going to be vulnerable. Yes. And I can't let that happen. 
Yeah. And he says, you know, it never occurred to me to think about what you wanted. Yeah. Empathy. Empathy. Well, this is the one. This is the thing. This, against all odds, this is the episode that makes me think real hard about about John Winchester. Mm-hmm. He, it's so it's so easy to put him in a box, and I mean, I am not in any way, shape, or form a John Winchester apologist, but no. this was the episode that put him in more shades of gray for me than I have considered for years since you know since getting into Supernatural. You know, watching yeah. the whole series through, um, like I said, it's really easy to put him in a box, and he, quite honestly, deserves that box. Mm-hmm. But he's still. Uh, this episode did a good job of of um, making John Winchester the per- the complicated person that Dean always tried to make apologies for. And Sam always yeah. tried to make apologies for, and the show constantly tried to make apologies for. On the one hand, while with the other, just slapped us across the face with all these horrible, abusive things that he put the boys through. Yeah, like the joke that happens right here, where they had their little, you know, teary-eyed moment, and Sam asks, you know, whatever happened to that college fund, <laughs> yeah. and John says that. He spent the money on ammo, and then they both laugh, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I see why the characters find it funny, but it's fucking heartbreaking, and it sucks. Like, there was nothing that was forcing John to go down that path. It's just he decided to go down that path based off of how he felt after Mary's death and what Missouri told him was the reason behind it. Like, so to see, especially to hear like Sam laughing about it, it was really showing us that Sam had empathy for his dad in the moment. But like, if you looked back at that six hours later, would you be like, God, why was I laughing? That's fucking tragic. Well, yeah, and that that joke, that line did come off of that moment of empathy, that moment of mm-hmm. of sincere connection, where um, John says, "You know, we're just you and me. We're just different." And yeah. at this, Sam can only laugh because he says, "No, Dad, I think that after Jess, after Mom, we're more alike than ever." Yeah. They're, like, the two people in the world that can relate to each other the most. Yes. Yeah. And. And, yeah. And then. And then. And John spent the college fund on ammo. And we have just, you know, again, driven towards this revenge uh, dedicating everything and giving up everything for this revenge mission. And um, in this moment, Sam does relate to it because that's exactly what he's been doing too. Yep. Yep. So Dean shows back up. He's finished his trip to Sonic. He's got a milkshake <laughs> and he's got a brown paper bag with a red liquid in a bottle inside of it. And this was the mission that John gave him to go to the funeral home. What could this be? 
I guess we'll find out. So it's now nightfall. Dean is playing the damsel in distress by being (laughs) underneath the Impala's hood. And he is approached by Kate and another vampire. And she offers him a ride, which Dean passes with a line saying, like, I usually draw the line at necrophilia. And it's like, oh, my God. Yes. We're we're going with quips. He must be a little bit spooked. (laughs) And, uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, he is the bait in this ploy. And Mm -hmm. these are two big, scary vampires. And they could snap his neck in a second. I'd be scared. But, um... I don't know. I guess they're fishing for information. I don't really know what they're doing because they had this prolonged exchange of like sexualized violence. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like she's grabbing his chin and forcing him up on his tippy toes and puckering his pillowy lips. And she is forcing him into a kiss too, which just is, Oh, Dean. Oh, no. And and she is offering him. Well, she's treating him like we saw her and Luther and to a certain extent Bo treating um uh Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> there just, you go. I was gonna say Jenna. Uh treating Jenny Jenny uh, uh just just earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um like 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 Luther said, she he he took a look at Jenny and said, this one's interesting. Um, let's keep it. And now Kate is offering Dean the same thing because she finds him attractive. Yeah. So she's going to toy with him and play with him and call him hers, whether he wants it or not. Ugh. Dean snarks back that he doesn't usually stay with a chick that long, so definitely not for eternity. Mm. I'm like, again, this there's a lot happening in this scene that I'm not sure I really want to analyze. And then and then, um, oh, who is it? I think his name is Hank, the other big burly vampire dude that is with Kate. Um, mm-hmm. he's just hanging back, looking on approvingly. I'm like, what is with this like harlem of a vampire pack that's definitely the intended vibe yeah like they're this big harem of people that are all like not a thruple you put it to like eight Uh Uh what is it an octuple there we go harem harlem i'm pretty sure those are two very different things (laughs) i mean i understood what you were saying (laughs) but but there's this whole big exchange where like Kate literally has him by the neck and still presumably uh, John and Sam are waiting in the wings until just the right moment to unleash those arrows and I I don't I don't know what they were waiting for but they're they're out in the bush and they're like fuck how do you take the safety off on this (laughs) did I load this right like maybe there we didn't see there was one bolt that just zinged by and like no one noticed it because they completely fucking missed and they're like shit now we gotta reload and do this again like oh my god I don't know if you can hear them, but there goes my dogs clawing out the door. Aww. Oh my god. That's gosh. our wrap up cue? No, not yet. She's got a ways <laughs> to go. Yeah. As alluded to, um, we see some crossbow bolts fire out and they strike this guy, Hank, and Kate, and she releases Dean. 
um, John and Sam show up and they are crowing about dead man's blood being the poison on these arrows. Yeah, Kate initially doesn't seem very concerned uh, other than briefly mourning the loss of her jacket. Again, she's like, I just repaired this. I just finished (laughs) with the sewing kit. Like, Jesus. But she quickly succumbs to the dead man's blood. She passes out. So does this Hank. And we gotta kill Hank. So goodbye, only black vampire. Only black person in this entire episode. But the girl, she's useful. She's worth keeping. Well, they have to piss off Luther somehow and try and make a trade deal with him. So, okay, she's we got Kate tied up and they're going to burn Hank's body. They cover themselves in this smelly herb ash that will protect their scent for a while. Um, but John knows that Luther will come for Kate and they will use her for barter for the cult. Yeah, they're having a powwow on, um, how they're going to do this exchange and what the, what everyone's, you know, responsibilities are. And it sounds like John is planning on facing down Luther and the majority of the vampire pack by himself to make this exchange um, while Sam and Dean are off doing something else. Yeah, I took it as freeing the hostages. Yes, yeah, yeah, but... uh, It's not said. Yeah, but Sam is challenging John. uh, Actually, Sam and Dean are both questioning John saying like wait 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 back up um we're okay so we're gonna go free the hostages and then why are you going by yourself to face a vampire pack uh shouldn't we be doing this together and then john is being uh he's dodging the the question and just demanding that they listen to him and stick to the plan and um it dawns on yeah go ahead Well, it's that, okay, we're going to split up, but then we're going to reunite afterwards, right? Like, you're going to get the gun, and then we're all going to go after the demon together, right? And the fact that John does not want to reunite with them, he's just planning on taking the weapon and skedaddling. That is what really um, pisses off both Sam and Dean. Yeah, yeah. It dawns on them that, uh, yeah, he has no intention of meeting back up with them. He wants to go off uh, and have this final showdown alone. Yeah. He's saying, like, I don't plan on making out of this in one piece, and I need to do this showdown alone because if you guys are there, I can't make the same decisions that I would make if you weren't. And, I mean, reading between the lines, what he is saying is, is that he can't be as reckless as he wants to be. And Dean calls him out on as much. Yeah, yeah. He can't do what he feels he has to do if he's worried about keeping uh, the boys alive. And Dean basically says, well, what about keeping you alive? Yeah. John doesn't seem to care. Do you not have any thought about that? Yeah. So that's kind of where we're getting a more informed idea behind why they split up in shadow to begin with. It wasn't really to keep John safe. It was to enable John to be as ruthless as he needs to be to get revenge. Yeah. 
And he's so close he can taste it now, so. Yeah, whatever it takes. And even if that means splitting up, but the boys are finally getting a chance to call him on the bullshit of you're safer apart from me because they're like, dude, you were sending us on hunts. Like, do you have any idea the danger we were in without you? Like, that's bullshit. What's the actual answer? Yeah, and it's Dean here. Uh, I think it's important that it's Dean here that's breaking out, uh, 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 falling out of line. Yeah, to... like, respectfully, sir, this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah, to call him out on all these things. Like, you yourself have been sending us on these hunts. You know what we've been up against this past year. And, you know, you can't be that concerned for our safety. Uh I, I I think that it's bullshit and we need to stick together. We're, we're better together. We're stronger as a family. Which, again, is a 180 from Shadow, but <laughs> we got to accept the show saying what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And um, John does have some vulnerability here where he admits that Mary's death almost killed him and he can't watch his kids die too. Like, he just wouldn't survive it. And... I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a little backflip here though, uh, for Dean. Okay. In that uh again where we had Sam and John's interactions in Shadow and it was uh like a very high stress emotional uh time and and they didn't have time to talk or even get mad at each other about about the things that they had time to stew on now in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh with Dean and and regarding John, uh, Dean was the one in the last episode after they just got beat to shit, uh, by this 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 monster that was controlled by the demon's minion. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw he saw that as a failing, and he saw it. He took it as um he took it as uh it, he and Sam causing john's own weakness and like john exposed himself because the boys were put out up as bait um to john so it it was you know constructed to draw john out and then john almost died for it so dean dean was definitely i'm sure beating himself up in that moment and yeah um, a lot of guilt just making his decisions but now it's however many months later and i i I mean i think that he's had time to ruminate on it all like he's been thinking about it like what yeah that's fair what is it what does that what does that mean that that we that you know john as a one-man show is 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 the Superman that's gonna do everything right? Uh, no, I, I, he's getting his confidence back, and he 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 does and honestly when think he's that away from together. the situation that he was reacting to. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, so I'll I, accept that backflip. Good job. I'll give you a good <laughs> score for it. Yeah, that's that's what I was boiling. That's what it all boils down to. I think that um, both with John and Sam, and with Dean and uh, John. Uh, that shadow episode was a very, very high paced, like reactive episode where now they, um, now they, it's, it's the resulting kablam that came from all that gunpowder that was piled on during shadow. Yeah. I guess my only critique of that would be, it would have been nice to see between shadow and this episode, some more drive to find, 
John rather than no, this is the way that we're going. True, true. After after they had, you know, found John or John had rather found them. Uh, where the first half of the season was very much like we just gotta we don't even know if he's alive like we don't even know if he's okay yeah Yeah, we got a couple very cryptic text messages but come on um yeah after after shadow they seemed a little bit more settled that you know like if oh if dad needs us he'll find us exactly yeah so yeah um john decides to change Topics by ordering them to leave when their part in this plan is done. Mm-hmm. And we cut to the vampires. Luther finds out about Kate and he can sense her scent in John's truck. So they drive in pursuit of John. Um, and now that they've cleared out the barn, Sam and Dean. Um, sneak up to it and they take on the remaining vampires yeah they clear the nest free the hostages and uh and john is leading the rest on his yes but it doesn't last long before he turns a bend in the road and he is cornered um so he has to park luther is demanding kate And so John um, pulls her out from the back of the truck and she's tied up. He carries her forward. He's got a little knife against her neck. And I just am so cranky in this scene because (laughs) I'm like, we have expressed that you need to chop off a vampire's head in order to kill them. Like, this is a tiny little hunting knife. There is no leverage that John fucking has because he can't injure kate in this moment like he can't kill her so this is a bad plan guys it's a bad plan honestly the only thing that they needed to do to fix it was soak the knife in dead man's blood or like it's a fucking machete like i yeah i do agree that the dead man's blood would fucking help but a little bit of red paint that's all you need uh so, okay, Luther puts the gun on the ground. Now hand over Kate. Kate got free. She smacks John. He flies, th- I guess, against the truck door. Um, glass gets in his mouth. I'm like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is committed to acting because he's not even trying to spit it out. <laughs> hey, they only had one sugar window. Sugar glass yeah. window. So. Yeah. Fair, fair. So it's looking pretty bad, but boom, we see crossbow bolt come from Dean and then Sam's running in with a machete and they are attacking the vampires, but um, Sam gets incapacitated. Luther takes him hostage and tells Dean to drop the machete, which Dean does. Yes. Um, And then it's time to see the cult in action. Yeah, yeah, we have a brief moment of Luther monologuing while, uh, you know, he still has Sam by the neck. Um, He's like, you people, why can't you just leave us alone? What did we ever do to you? I'm like, you kill people. What are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Your your sex orgy blood feasting on Jenny. Like, you lie in the middle of the road and you terrorize couples and then kill them. Like, there is... A level of interacting with society that you're failing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, John, while Luther is distracted, he has picked up the cult 
or retrieves the colt and he takes the shot i i i thought it was a little you know maybe maybe luther's head was a little close to sam's head but i i yep. don't, I, and i'm like <laughs> kate and jenny they just weren't paying attention to what john was doing up until this moment and luther has this very cgi death scene where the spook comes in him gets blown out his back <laughs> I was going to say, no, no, you, you will not find a friend in this. Because I was going to say, I'll forgive all <laughs> the, the the contrived drama bullshit. Because this this cult gun effect is so fucking cool. It's so cool. They did you a can good enjoy job. it. They did a good job. You can job. enjoy it. They did a good job. I enjoyed seeing Luther's spookums leave him and i guess i'm like way. i just i'm like guns are so boring and i'm so mad about key's lightsaber being a gun i liked it you're welcome to <laughs> everyone's welcome to i just didn't personally <laughs> um so yeah he's dead his spookums is gone kate is distraught jenny forces her to leave and it's time for our final scene which is like 10 seconds long. <laughs> We're in the motel. John is commending Sam and Dean for disobeying him slash saving him. And they finally get him to admit that they are stronger as a group and that they will kill the demon together. And we see both Sam and Dean go, yes, sir. And I'm like, I hate this. Like you said, there's that psychological... Warfare, warfare coming back, attacking me personally. Yeah, John's like you boys. You ignored a direct order back there. And they're like, sure did. We do it again. Okay, I guess my boys are all grown up now. Gotta accept it. Yeah, I guess they have their own minds, but those minds align closely to what I expect them to do, and so I can approve it. Yeah. And we see the reversal of the expectation we've had for the season so far that now sam dean and john are going to work together to take down the demon i'm like again any fucking thought would tell you three heads is better than one but i guess john just needs to get there at his own pace and i can relate to that yeah we had to get there we had we had to have you know we, we had we had to go to upstate new york and back before we could get to this point. Yeah. We had to send Dean on a Striga hunt that would fucking reopen old wounds. And he experiences a minor hate crime. And it's all good. <laughs> this this feels, this feels like a gear up to a season finale. So it's on now. It's on. You know what? Good job on them for that part. Yeah. We have two episodes left of season one. I know. I don't think it's actually a two-parter, but I feel like it's going to feel like a two-parter yeah, finale. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, Next week. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I just like, just the thought of final takeaways just completely fleed me, <laughs> escaped me uh, ever since our hiatus. But yes, you're right, B. B. What was your final takeaway from this for this episode? That that whole th all of that was episode twenty, 
dead man's yes. blood. So yes. what was your final takeaway? Oh, I got two. I got a really simple one. Ooh. I like the vampire cat eyes. Yes, I did too. And then I liked still that big blow up scene between Sam and John and the way that Dean was off frame, that we were really centered on the two and it was showing kind of without the words it was just giving us the visual language to explain the dynamics in this family yes and i really enjoyed watching that scene with that in mind yes i loved you bringing that to the table here because that that puts that makes me gonna go, want to go watch the scene again myself mm-hmm. even though that would mean listening to jared's like werewolf voice is what i called it <laughs> oh jared honey you like, try. You tr- he's got the softest voice throughout the season, and then he gets really mad. And I'm like, this is this is spooking me. He tries. Okay, tough guy, says Dean. <laughs> Good job, sport. And then just nudge him <laughs> gently on the arm. <laughs> How about you, Remy? What's your final takeaway? My final takeaway, um, besides... I feel like I feel like all of the insights that we get on the John Sam Dean family dynamics in this episode is kind of like too big. It's the whole episode that's yeah, fair. Uh, but what really got me my final takeaway is going to be the fact that this episode that I didn't even know it was coming for me, but this episode was the one that gave me the John feels, and I didn't even know I had it in me too. And the baby feels, you and had the baby, baby feels, feels too. and the baby feels. But, but like I said before, yeah, this this episode mm-hmm. put put John in those in some of those shades of gray. Um, not that I I do not and will not agree with the whole like oh he just tried his best line. I'm like yeah that's that's what you tell yourself to put yourself to sleep at night. Um, and like his best sucked. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah you could say that but his best sucked. Um, yeah. And it still sucked. Uh, but seeing Jeffrey and Morgan in this episode, um, I, I and not just because he's Jeffrey and Morgan and charming and. It's it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, I really like the way that they wrote uh, for John in this episode. Yeah, he had some really sincere moments that fl- just added a layer to yeah. his uh, characterization. That um, that I it was so easy for me to put out of my head. Uh, all the reasons why he's a sack of shit. <laughs> All the reasons why he's a sack of shit. I mean, and he's still a sack of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, but... it's genuinely, you can put it aside for a minute, look at these other yes. bits, and then be like, look, turn your head to the left, and you're like, oh yeah, it's still there. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I, I, I just liked it. I liked it because they made it complicated. I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I enjoy yeah. when, it, like you say, it gets in the shades of gray. It gets complicated. And that doesn't mean that... I don't have my own opinions about it, but sometimes it's nice to take out all of the pieces of paper, like all of the information Mm -hmm. you have about this character and look at those pieces that don't neatly fit into the conclusion that you have, you know, like it's, it's a reminder that the world is messy. It's complicated. And if it seems simple, you need to complicate your analysis. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay. I'm okay. 
stressing on it here in this episode because uh, this is probably the only time that I have actually felt this way about about how they have presented John. So I'm like so ready to hate on him two episodes from now. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to it. I love it. I love it. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was going to be so excited to actually like see John again, um, because it's just been so long since I've actually watched season one, mm-hmm. and um, I'm appreciating it more than I thought I would. Yay! Yeah, yeah. So there we have it. Episode twenty of season one, Ooh. Dead Man's Blood. And next week we will talk about uh, episode twenty one, Salvation. So exciting thank you guys for hanging out with us today thank you for listening uh if you liked our well i'm never mind cut that cut that (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. uh you know the drill you can always reach out to us on social uh please go and like subscribe write us a review we see everyone we love everyone and we appreciate you guys so yes we're very glad to have you with us on this journey hmm so see you guys next week we'll see you next week bye thank you bye